from the bridge of the Proteus, it's the IGN Digigods. Now here are two men who wouldn't mind being stuck in a miniaturized submarine with Raquel Welch, Wade Major, and Mark Kaiser. Uh, yeah, uh, Proteus, so forth, so on. Corey, yeah, what the, who sent that in? That fantastic voyage was brought to you by Mark Dolan. Awesome. Thank you, Mark Dolan. And uh, uh, great reference, by the way. Here's the thing, Mark, We I want to get the show going. You just lured me into your man cave with your, your wall. Whoa, whoa, lured you into my man cave. That sounds yeah. dirty, Wade. It is dirty. Here's what's going on. If you were listening to the, if you were listening to, if you were reading the Facebook page, you know the story I have with the OSS one seventeen series that I bought in box set form from Amazon France. Now, wait, I was told that there were subtitles. There are on both films. There are. So we have set up the show from my TV room, (laughs) where I'm going to make Wade (laughs) investigate this crap because he says, okay, Wade is now. By this is a very special episode. Now, hang on, Wade. Uh, and this is the set that I have. This is this is cor- the correct Okay, set. now, uh, by the way, we are not making this up. We are doing no. this from my TV room where I'm yeah. making Wade figure out where the goddamn English subtitles are <laughs> on Lost and Real. No, 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 pick it up, pick it up. What? Okay, read the back. Read the back where it would normally say are there subtitles or are there not. Plus de bikini, plus de piège, plus de crocodile, plus d'aventure. Oh, what does that mean? <coughs> that means more bikinis and uh, okay, that's great. More beaches and more oh, no. crocodiles and more adventure. Okay, go 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 to the end, the bottom where it okay. said where it would say where the subtitles are or aren't. Sous-titre anglais et pour sourd et malentendant avec fonction remote subtitle. What does that mean? It means English subtitles and for hard of hearing uh, and and deaf uh, with the remote. With the subtitle function on your remote. Oh, interesting, Wade. Interesting yes. how they say about the subtitle yeah. on the remote. Now, Wade, here's what I'm going to do to move this thing along. I already uh, preloaded the... Uh, but that's not... But it, it won't work on, on your remote. Huh? It won't work on your remote. Here, here no, look. It, it's a menu. It's a menu thing. Okay. Yes. Now, this is... That's uh, uh, yes. uh, uh, Lost in Rio, correct? Correct. Yes, okay. it is. This is a very exciting, uh, very exciting episode. I uh, hope the uh, <laughs> <laughs> hope the volume isn't on too loud. So, we are, oh, we are, what we're doing now is we are queuing up... Uh, Lost in Rio because I'm going to make Wade prove to me that there are English subtitles on this goddamn Blu-ray because I can't find them. Okay? I'm not kidding. I can't find Why are you laughing? Because, because the first time I put mine in I couldn't find them either. I, I watched the first film and I was like that's freaking awesome. And you know I don't need the subtitles but I you know I, I sort of enjoy having them there for some stupid By reason. the way the reason why I did this You know I do this. I When I watch a French film I read the subtitles in English while I'm listening to the French and vice versa. When, I, if, when I'm at Cannes or a festival and I'm watching a, a, an English language film and they've got subtitles like at Cannes they're in French, right? Somehow I always find myself reading the French subtitles. Uh, you're it's a very strange. Uh, you're a genius. I just do that. So, so, the anyway. reason, so the reason why I bought this box set at all yes. is because I bought a standalone of Lost in Rio right. and the subtitles were about Half a second off from the speaking. Sure. And it really freaked me out. Yeah. It like, it, when, when that happens, it makes you like nauseous or something. Once in a while, that happens to me in real life. Exactly. People will suddenly, they're, they're, they're talking and their lips, it's all out of sync. And uh, I have to kind of reboot my head. Okay, that's great. Okay, now we're looking at the menu system. Now, wait, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you my remote. 
and uh, we're going to figure this okay, out. So By the way, yes. Get me, get me to the main, the main screen. Where, uh, where's, where's your? Well, you have this thing. You should know. Yeah, but I don't know your remote. Oh, I see. Got yeah. it. Um, now, while uh, Wade does this, actually, while nobody does this, because we can't figure it out. Um, by the way, Lost in Rio is so effing funny. It's, it's Even with <laughs> subtitles, this thing is funny. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's so great. He's just the best. <laughs> All right, we're literally watching TV as the uh, thing rolls. Oh, I love this movie. Okay, okay so we're, we're so getting towards the menu now. By the yeah. way, we have uh, we have a bunch of music stuff we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Wait, <laughs> wait, you're, you're you're not helping. We have uh, a bunch of music stuff we're going to talk about later on. We have some new releases, including um, Maleficent, whatever it's called, with um, Angelina Jolie, and uh, some TV stuff. It's the best. So wait, we're coming up on the uh, main title uh, screen. Someday we're yes. gonna we're, we're we're gonna get the main title screen going. Yeah. And there we go. Okay. Okay. Now wait. So wait is now. now well, well, tell everyone what you're doing, Wade. Okay. So first of all. There's a little kind of James Bondy icon on the bottom. First of all, they're showing you clips from the movie in little, you know, in a sequence of frames, and it's just, it's insanely funny. It's just endlessly hilarious. It just reminds me of. <laughs> Wait, nobody wants to hear you laugh. Just find okay. the subtitles. So, okay. So, uh, you, you've got uh, the. Uh, you go through here, and there's like. Do you recognize this as the one you absolutely. have? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, 100%. Fine. Yeah. Chapters, supplements, uh, reglage. Remote access. Uh, so I'm, I, and I have to try to remember exactly how I got into this thing because it's not the film, it's not the versions, um, it's not chapters. See, wait, I'm telling you, it's not there. No, it, it, trust, dude. I stop. Um, uh, video audio. This, by the way, could be our final podcast. <laughs> We're going to turn off so many listeners, <laughs> but I'm going to make it now. See, now look, I thought that this was the screen to get the subtitles, but it's really a screen to calibrate your speakers. Correct. So, how does that help me get subtitles? Uh, it. Hang on. Just hold. Hang on. Keep your. Now, what does "du marquage pour écran plat" mean? What does uh, that th- mean? That's for flat. It's a thing for flat screens. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So hold on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to go back into reglage. Remote accès. Now, what does remote accès mean? Hold on. Uh, honestly, I don't know. Accès is something that I'm sure means something to... In French. Like, fr- yeah. I, I, <laughs> oh, really? Well, it's, so it's like, saying that a French word it's means something? Word. It's not a word. It's not a word. It's like some home theater thing that they probably don't know. So, hold on a second. Uh, presentation. Let's see here. There are no subtitles. Uh, you know what it says here: remote access is an application developed uh, by the. Okay, this is not. This is not helping studios, me. Listen. So whatever. Okay, so there's um, no subtitles, Wade. Hold on, you, 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 you got to give me a chance here. I'm gonna have to edit this down, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> oh no! Let's see. You are not editing okay. this down. We are gonna bore the hell out of all of our listeners. Hang on, because this is a this is the Facebook challenge that I. Uh, that I, I threw down the gauntlet on Facebook. I know you did. And made you do this. I know. By and, the and way... I swear to you, there are subtitles here. There are. I, it, it took me forever the first time, and it's taken me forever. This is like the third or fourth time, and it's always a problem. By the way, uh, um, uh, before we... They're, they're here. I swear to well, you, Well, then you're going to find them. We're not going to stop until you find I them. I know. Oh, gosh. And you're not going to... Uh, well, here's what I, I will say, though. Um, are we locked up here? What's going on? I don't know. I think this just locked up. Ugh. Christ on a cracker. Arg. No, you know why? It's probably, is that that remote hexy thing? Yeah. You should try to probably re- find the remote hexy thing, and, and it's probably some crazy server in France. Ugh. We're all locked up. 
That's a great way. Reboot. Give, give it to me. Don't okay. stop the recording. No, we gotta stop the recording. No, here, talk, talk, about, talk about these music DVDs. Oh my gosh. <sighs> this was this is your bailiwick. All this uh, music stuff. I, it, it, I, oh, you know what? The one of these I can talk about real quickly. Feast of Friends. The Doors on Blu-ray. Uh, this is amazing. Do you know about this? You know about one? Feast of Friends? Did you watch this? No. That means I have to talk about it anyway. <laughs> uh, no, Feast of Friends is is freaking awesome. This is uh, this is from Eagle, and uh, you know Eagle Vision. They do a lot of the music stuff that we talk about, and Feast of Friends is a big big deal. Um, this was in 1968, and it's like an anti. It's like the anti Beatles film or the anti you know all those Rolling Stones films. Um, is this is the only movie that the Doors made about themselves, and it's on Blu-ray. And it's it's an incredibly good transfer. I mean, considering that the elements are you know forty some odd years, forty five years, forty six years old, and uh, this was all shot just kind of you know haphazardly when they were going out and getting ready for their uh, nineteen sixty eight tour, and uh, it's 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 just cool and groovy and completely unfocused and yet totally gripping. Um, because it just immerses you in the period and in the doors and, and in this kind of weird self-reflexive attitude that they have. And it, it's got, you got to see it. I mean, if you're a Doors fan, if you're a music fan, if you're a fan of music, uh, movies from the, uh, from, especially like documentary and concert films from the late 60s, you got to check this out. It's really, really great. Oh, wait, no one cares. Uh, and then this also includes uh, bonus features. It also includes uh, this thing called The End, which was shot in 1967 in Toronto. And uh, originally broadcast that year uh, uh, on television, and as well as a British television documentary from 1968, and um, a, uh, a brand new feature that's. Um, can you talk more about? Can you talk more about this Blu-ray? Okay, it's great. You guys, the, the, the way we're going, this will be a four-hour show. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I'm, we are. I'm, I'm kind of vamping in a way. No, I, I can do that here. You are going okay. to uh, take the PS3 okay. controller again, and don't do the hexy thing. This is like a horrible. We are either going to get emails saying that this was like really an enjoyable, different kind of uh, Digigod podcast, or worst show ever. And tell us at gods at digigods.com, by the way. Anyway, we have uh, Genesis Three Sides Live. Now, uh, in the early 80s, Genesis was uh, a really cool, progressive band. Phil Collins was the leader of it, and their big, big breakout album. It got him kind of out of the super alt prog rock thing and got him into a little bit more of a mainstream vibe with Three Sides Live. And so we have great songs like Abacab and No Reply at All and uh, Turn It On Again, Man on the Corner. So this was recorded in um, November of 1981 during the North American tour. So the uh, video quality is okay because, again, this thing is like, you know, 30 years old or whatever. But still, it's great. It's a great piece of rock history, Three Sides Live from Genesis. Speaking of rock history, we also have uh, the Rolling Stones from The Vault. Now, this is great. This is not a live concert. It is uh, a series of live concerts from kind of the Rolling Stone archive, and it was all during their American tour in 1981, and it was an incredibly successful tour, and they were promoting, I believe, Tattoo You. So, you see, wait, if you press subtitles, nothing happens, right? No, no, I'm, I'm trying Okay, to press back. subtitles and tell everyone what it says. Press subtitles. Where, where is subtitles? I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll where is it? I, I know it. So, you press subtitles, read that way. This operation is not available here. Thank you. So that got the hunt going. <laughs> and you will never find the subtitles. I'm trying to get back to the top menu. Why is it not letting me do that? Uh, sometimes it's top menu. Sometimes it's the other menu. There you go. Oh, okay. Uh, Rolling Stones from the Vault. This is great stuff. I mean, it's pretty much all of their great songs from the 70s. Um, Under My Thumb, When the Whip Comes Down, Shattered, Just My Imagination. So that's great also. Deep Purple 
uh, it was a cool band uh, from back in the day. They did a couple of uh, classic songs, including obviously Smoke on the Water, which is uh, here. Also, Hush is a great song, as well as Space Truckin'. This was um, shot in the summer of 2011. So, uh, And there's also a full orchestra playing it, which is really cool. Because some of these bands, you know, they're, they're all rock and roll, and they, they don't know anything from strings. It's kind of weird. But then they get older, and they want to reinterpret their songs in different ways. So they wound up with an orchestra in Verona, and it's a really, really cool uh, Blu-ray. Alabama and Friends, I'm not a country music fan, um, but I do really like the Ryman Auditorium, because the Ryman Auditorium has some great, great Where's the history. Exit? Where's the exit button on this? Huh? The exit button. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Actually, see X? The, yeah, try that. Oh, that just screwed everything up. What just happened? I don't know what that did. Oh, you're starting the movie now. Okay. You know what? Uh, that's it. No, see the round thing? This? No, the, the round, the round circle thing. That. Please. If you, if no, no, here, watch the round controllery thing. If you, if you, if you do the round controllery thing, I think oh. it kind of allows you to manipulate things. Anyway, um, not a fan of Alabama, nor am I a fan of the people who appeared on this uh, Blu-ray, including Trisha Yearwood, uh, Luke Bryan, and Jason Aldean. But uh, I do love the Ryman Auditorium. There was a great Neil Young uh, concert film uh, where he visited the Ryman. So a lot of good songs here. If you like this kind of stuff. Um, I don't, but uh, there you go, Alabama. Eric Clapton, Planes, Trains, and Eric. Um, this is a lot of his great songs that he played during his um, 2014 world tour. He's visiting kind of the far east and the Middle East, and he still has it. Obviously, he has his um, he has his riffs and his licks that he kind of plays over and over again, you know, when he's soloing. But still, he's Eric freaking Clapton, and he's great. And he plays a lot of his classics: "I Shot the Sheriff," "Crossroads," "Layla," "Wonderful Tonight." Uh, Tears in Heaven, Cocaine. So this is good stuff. Eric Clapton, Planes, Trains, and Eric. Um, Now, we talked about Genesis a minute ago, and here we have, yes, 35th anniversary concert song from Songus. Now, this is not Paul Songus, the um, politician and... um, some, see, you, you can't find it, can you? Oh, it's, it's hard to find. I've, I've told, I told you that before. It's really hard to find, but it's there. See, I did that too, and it's just, yeah. a, it's just a bunch of hash. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is really, this is terrible. Anyway, Yes was one of the great, they were one of the great prog bands of the uh, 70s, and um, I don't know that their songs really hold up all that well, but um, here we have a concert from 2004, and it's got a lot of their classic songs on it. Um, Starship Trooper and uh, Roundabout. So Yes is pretty cool. Bam. Some of the stuff, what? Versions, okay? Okay, show me the thing. It says French version, 5.1. Right. right. Keep going. French Keep version, going. Uh, DTS HD with 2.0. Uh-huh. Keep going. Commentary audio with Aznavisius and Jean Dujardin. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep right. There's no English. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was on that menu. French version, hold 5.1. On. French on. version, 2.0. And then the commentary, and there's nothing else. You are fucking stumped. I'm going to swear for the first time on this podcast. You are fucking stumped because you know there's no English subtitles. Wait. <gasps> With subtitles in English. Oh, my God. There it is. Where is it? When you click on the French version, you have to click on the actual French version here under versions. You click on it, and then it brings up another menu, and it's, it defaults to without subtitles. And then you go there. That's with subtitles for 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 you know deaf or hard of hearing. And then with subtitles in English. And yes. Wait, wait. Wait. What is that? Uh, and this with is where the, it, with the function. Who? The, not yeah. without. Don't do sans. Do avec. Okay. With. There it is. 
Now make the subtitles happen. Now go play the movie. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we've, we've stopped the show now because okay. I believe Wade. Okay, hold on. I believe Wade wins the internet today. <laughs> we were talking about yes. Who cares about yes? Oh, hold on. Here also, we... Cult Ford at uh, Live at Wild Adventures. <laughs> I was not. A, I was not a. Uh, see, it's not available. Hold on. It'll. It'll. It'll work. No, it won't work. It'll never work. The, the, the menu. The, the function on the remote will probably not work. But it'll. It should. But it show said you. with function on remote, it'll right? Show you the, yeah, uh, just go go to like the next uh, chapter. Yeah, hold on yeah let's here. go to some other chapter. And there you go. Oh my God! There's subtitles. <laughs> Fucking bastard. <laughs> yes. So, told you. So, ah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, hang on a second. Let's listen. To this one. Hang on a second. Uh, let's make. Let's make sure they're on. They're okay. like they're. Uh, you're you're coming up on my favorite scene actually. With the with the penis joke. Now here the subtitles they're 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 on par with the uh, with the, with the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the ver- previous version I had spent, the subtitles were off by about half a second. Spent Seventeen minutes of our podcast on this. This is insane. What what, what I haven't even paid attention. To what you have you talked about all this stuff? Yes. Through all this? No, no. You you do these because these this all classical crap. The, the, oh, oh yeah, 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 I've yeah, talked yeah. about those already. You, you talked about the classic rap. Okay. I'm going to try to recreate what so you, you just done did. Clapton Deep Purple, you did all this? Rolling yes, Stones? yes, yes. Good for you. Here. We're on, we're on par, man. Okay, good. Uh, you did this too, Colt Ford? No, I did not. You did not? No. You didn't do this? No. Okay. Because I never heard of Colt Ford before. Good for you. Okay, well, anyway, Colt Ford, some, some country dude. And he's <laughs> like, uh, seriously, I've never heard of the guy before. But anyway, I mean, it's, you know, it's fine. It's like, you know, he's, he's like a grungier version of Garth Brooks or something like that. Anyway, uh, this is uh, this is you know done live at a theme park in Georgia, right? Georgia and a theme park. Those things really go together in my head. Anyway, uh, this is crank it up, Colt Ford, live at Wild Adventures, and uh, it doesn't make me really want to go to Wild Adventures. It doesn't really necessarily make me want to go to a Colt Ford concert, but wait, it, so you do versions, and then when you're on version yes. five point one, you press again. Yep, and then it brings. Up oh the my God! It's the greatest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Yeah, but told the one. You. Yeah, but the but the sub menu where it says with the remote subtitle function and without it, the remote subtitle subtitle function is meaningless. It's. I think it's meaningless. Okay. I, I, I didn't bother with that because why would I want to turn them off? Oh my God, Wade, you are the best. Told you, told you. It takes a moment. You gotta. It took. Gotta, it took. It took. It took half the show. Yeah, Wade. It did. I know it did. This is this is where we get the, the penis joke. Okay, no one cares about the penis joke. Okay, so wait. It, it, it doesn't really make it into the into the subtitles. Okay, so here's the thing. Now yeah. uh, talk about this, and then what we're going to do, Wade, is we'll, we'll know, we're back. always we're always very honest with the audience. Yes, we are. We, 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 we'll talk about these two. We're going to stop the recording. We're going to go back into the the other room yes, where we, we normally do the podcast and restart it. So Yuri Tamirkanov, perfect name for a conductor, right? Yuri Tamirkanov uh, conducts Rachmaninoff and Rimsky Korsakov uh, with the St. Petersburg Philharmonic Orchestra. Good, you know, a couple of good Russian composers and a uh, Russian conductor in a Russian orchestra. And it's got real Russian verve to it. Can't say it's my favorite uh, performance of Rachmaninoff or Rimsky Korsakov, but it's a beautiful Blu-ray. And uh, it's it, for, you know, it, it's a concert in your house and the audio is unbelievable. It's a party in your pants? Um, it's phenomenal, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an absolute party in the pants, you betcha. So uh, there you go. And uh, definitely, I mean, you know, for people who love the music, you're not going to be disappointed. And then a fantastically gorgeous, this is from uh, Arte, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous, like, uh, Blu-ray book of Richard Strauss's Electra. Uh, This is amazing, because the late Patrice Chereau, who directed uh, um, Queen Margot, French director, 
directs this, and Esapekka Salonen is the conductor. I mean, that's like as A-list as you can get, done with the uh, the Paris Orchestra, and uh, it's it's just phenomenal. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you don't like Electra, then you know whatever, or, or Sophocles, who, who wrote the original Electra, then don't bother. But uh, otherwise, this is just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful staging. And uh, you know, done by a great director and uh, an amazing conductor, and it is just—it is spectacular. It looks great, sounds great, absolutely awesome. All right, so, wait. So, uh, a thank you. You have solved the mystery of these you. subtitles. Good. We have—we—we're we, twenty minutes into the show. We got to rock and roll. So, we're going to move back to the other room, and we are back. Magic. So, while uh, while Mark is getting me something to drink, I'm going to uh, roll through some uh, some Asian films. Mostly martial arts stuff, but there's some other really interesting stuff in here, like Kim Ki Duk's Mobius, and uh, Kim Ki Duk, of course, is the uh, is one of the more kind of out there eccentric uh, Korean filmmakers. He's done a lot of stuff like Nine Iron and uh, Coast Guard that I, I've actually absolutely just adored. Um, spring, summer, winter, uh, fall, winter, and spring is another one which uh, you know was a, was a huge huge top ten film in that year. Anyway, Mobius. I'm still not sure how I feel about Mobius. Mark, did you see Mobius? No. Okay, it's out on Blu-ray. Good-looking Blu-ray. It's only 88 minutes long. Um, and essentially, this de- there's really just no way to kind of uh, soft-pedal this. Um, it, it has multiple, like, penis transplants going on in this movie. Um, it is a very, very strange film, as is typical of his stuff. But um, really the only film other than uh, Sex and Zen I've ever seen that went as far as talking about a penis transplant. And uh, it, is, it is essentially how this one family is, I don't want to say destroyed, but there's a, there's a, there's a whole, you know, the, the, the husband is having an affair. The actress who plays his wife also plays the mistress, which you know, can be a little confusing. And they've got a son who is troubled and... From there, this thing just goes completely off the rails. Um, there's there are interviews with uh, the cast and with Kim Ki Duk on it, and, um, and and especially a very interesting interview with the actress. And there's a post screening Q and A from the uh, NYAFF in uh, uh, earlier this year, which is essential because that's about the only thing that really helps you kind of get a, a handle on the, on some of the things in the film. So I would recommend watching the uh, probably watch that post screening Q and A first. And um, that'll maybe give you a handle of, on what to expect. Anyway, that's Mobius from Kim Ki Duk. And then we also have a couple of films from uh, Sion Sono, who is uh, one of the more interesting uh, Japanese directors at, mo- uh, at the present time. Uh, one is a special edition, both of them Blu rays, uh, courtesy of the uh, very, very fine people at Olive Films, who continue to do really interesting work. And uh, the first one is the special edition of Guilty of Romance, the second one is Himitsu. And um, uh, if you're familiar with Science Sono, the movies have a very deliberate pacing. They are also uh, very intense and very offbeat. He is intentionally a button pusher. Uh, Sono likes to just really, really rev you up. And Himitsu, I think, is maybe the more interesting film. Uh, it specifically deals with a couple, and it's one of these films that, like, uh, you know, Battle Royale is kind of one of these as well, that deal with all the troubles that plague Japanese youth. In this case, you've got a couple of teenagers who are um, kind of trying to make their way after the 2011 tsunami 
and uh, you think, oh, it's going to be a nice drama. No, it's not just an ordinary drama. It is. It's. It gets very weird and psychologically uh, brutal at a certain point, and um, worth checking out. But uh, you know, again, a very very deliberate film and not paced like you would normally expect. Uh, it's 130 minutes long. It really kind of takes its time. And then uh, Guilty of Romance um, is the third film in his uh, hate film trilogy, which started with Love Exposure and continued with Cold Fish. Uh, I don't think you have to have seen those first two films, but uh, you it, it might help. It uh, kind of lets segue you into it. Uh, the, uh, there are two different cuts on here. The international cut is actually, I think, probably better. Uh, it's 113 minutes long, and it moves better, and it it kind of uh, you know is maybe a little bit more easily absorbed. There, there's another one for Japanese audiences, which is like a half an hour longer, and it it's a little bit more indulgent, and I think it's a little bit more inaccessible if you're not Japanese. So um, anyway, in this the uh, the the thing here is it's basically kind of a thriller uh, centered around a female detective. And um, how she's kind of trying to get to the bottom of a murder, which takes her into some really, really nasty places in, in Tokyo that you don't want to go if you ever uh, decide to go visit. So uh, anyway, uh, a couple of very interesting films. And then uh, now that Mark is back, I will uh, wrap this up with a uh, martial arts movie marathon 2 from uh, the good people at Shout Factory. Uh, they're, they're getting access to some very interesting films, not in great prints, not in great source material. Um, but you know what? It looks like these may be the only opportunities that we have to see some of these films. And included here are a couple of films that are really good and a couple that are not so great. Um, the films here are The Fate of Lee Khan, Shaolin Boxers, The Shaolin Plot, and The Young Dragons. Um, the Shaolin plot uh, is really only interesting because Sammo Hung is in it. Uh, the Young Dragons is actually a surprisingly good film, uh, one of the early martial arts films that John Woo directed before he sort of went out on and you know forged his own. He's a, strictly a guy for hire here, but you see his style. It's very, very interesting. Uh, Shaolin Boxers is, you know, it's kind of pretty standard stuff. And uh, The Fate of Lee Khan is the one that is most important here. It's directed by King Hu, the great Taiwanese director who made so many amazing films, including, you know... Uh, uh, Star Wars? No, the, the original um, uh, Star Wars? Dragon Inn. Mm-hmm. The original Dragon Inn. Sure. Yep. Uh, and uh, A Touch of Zen. Really good stuff. So Fate of Lee Khan is one of his best films. Uh, Come Drink With Me was another one of his films. Uh, it's, this is one of his best movies ever, and it's the best thing on here, and it's worth picking this up just for that alone. And then the last two, uh, Kundo. Uh, pretty good. Takes place in the, uh, the end of the Shosan Dynasty. This is a Korean film. Uh, not bad. 1859 is the setting, and it's just you know straight-up kind of revenge and honor, uh, honor thing, but it's very, very well made by Yun Jung-bin. And uh, a director I'm not terribly familiar with, but a lot of great directors coming out of Korea, and they're getting some really, really interesting, um, you know, got some real money behind them. And then there is uh, The Last Supper, which is by Lu Xuan, uh, who's also kind of, uh, you know, forging a path, making these big period epics. And um, it should probably be better. This is uh, the, takes place in the end of the Qin, Qin Dynasty. And it's about a you know a, a, a warlord and uh, a a young peasant and uh, you know a, another one of these kinds of uh, looking for honor and redemption and uh, you know trying to be the hero of uh, of your of your people 
it's kind of a big, sprawling uh, period epic, but it's it's uh, it's perfectly enjoyable and uh, should be better than it is. But you know, very very promising, and it's a good sit. So there you go, some good Asian stuff on tap this week. All right, Mark. Yes. Um, we can get into uh, we can get into catalog stuff, classic films, or do sure. the new stuff. Now new I know stuff. I know, you know what we bored the audience enough. Let's I know do... you are. I know you're very excited about. this. I already bought it. I know. I had to buy it. I know you did because you're not going to give it to me. No, but it's pretty great, right? It's great. It's freaking awesome. So let's start. Let's go with this. I'm so, a huge fan of uh, yes. F for fake Criterion. Now F for fake is a uh, film that was uh, co-written and uh, kind of co co-edited, uh, co-directed. Actually, there's some uncredited uh, directors there too by Orson Welles. Yep. Now. What's great about Effort Fake is that... You know, it's like the original mock documentary. It really, kind of. Although it's funny. It's, it's a combination of a mock documentary, but an actual documentary. It's, it, it has these three parallel tracks yeah. that somehow all work together. It's about this... It was, it was released in 1974, and it's about this art forger, an actual art forger. And his story sort of serves as the core yep. for this... Kind of loose investigation of authorship and what constitutes authenticity and art, and it's great. First of all, I you you will be totally completely fascinated by art forgery just by mm, watching this true. this movie. I mean, if nothing else, it does that. Yeah. Um, but it, but it also you also kind of interweaves separate other narratives together where you start looping in like Howard Hughes. You know, there's a there's a there's a subplot there about Howard Hughes and uh, some fakery regarding Hughes and, and, and a fabricated quote authorized biography that wound up being a hoax. Mm-hmm. And it's really great the way that Howard Hughes actually goes public with the idea that this thing is a hoax and he had never contributed to any biography of himself, which is that because Howard Hughes hated being photographed or seen or anything, he wound up mounting a press conference. Now, again, this is like this is a long time ago, so it was a bit unusual. Mm-hmm. He wound up mounting a press conference over the phone. He wouldn't give a press conference where he showed up in front of other people. So cool. No, no. Press conference over the phone where a bunch of reporters in like the 19-whatever 50s yep. are just staring at a phone. It's pretty great. Yeah. Love it. So, Effort Fake, it's, it's, it's loose. It's meandering. It's got all sorts of stuff on its mind, but I just think it's so fascinating. So many extras, too, because there's so much to talk about, and they've got documentaries on here, interviews with Wells from television, and uh, really a fascinating stuff. There's even a, uh, a 60 Minutes interview from about a decade ago with Clifford Irving um, about the Howard Hughes autobiography hoax. And uh, it, all this stuff really just kind of... It, it, watching all the extras, and it'll take you hours, because there are hours and hours and hours of extras with all the documentaries and the interviews and the clips. But it's, it's pretty great. It's really pretty great. Yep, highly recommended. At least, highly here's the thing, at least as a rental. As a rental, if you want to see something really super cool that's like nothing you've seen before, but is totally fascinating, I cannot recommend enough Effort Fake. And another Criterion out, which is uh, one I never expected that Criterion would get behind, but it makes perfect sense, is uh, their director-approved double feature of The Shooting and Ride in the Whirlwind with Monty, by Monty Hellman, two uh, of Monty Hellman's westerns, uh, considered by many to be sort of his quintessential um, works, these two films. Uh, the story behind these two films is really interesting, because Monty Hellman kind of came up with these two very unconventional anti-western ideas, and just went out into the desert, uh, and he, you know, Roger Corman was the producer, and he just grabbed Jack Nicholson and a bunch of people and kind of went and did guerrilla style very minimalistic, surreal westerns in the desert. Just shot them real quickly. And they're classic, and they're amazing, and they're, they're both of them made in 1966, 
previously only available on DVD from VCI, and they have been out of print and discontinued for years. Like, anyone who paid the uh, going rate of $755.32 for those two films uh, on eBay, you're screwed, because now they're on Blu-ray and they look even better. So, dummy. That's a, that's a rule of thumb. Don't pay For out-of-print DVDs, if you think there's a chance that it could come out again that is actually good... Then don't don't waste the money on some crappy eBay DVD because it's not going to be that rare. It'll come out again on Blu-ray. Just give it some time. And by the way, if if you're not really into Monty Hellman, who is he? No one cares about him. He's old. Oh. I have to say, you know, you realize that Monty Hellman is an executive producer on uh, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Yep, absolutely. So Tarantino knows Monty Hellman. And we have another Monty Hellman film, as it happens. Which is not so great, but it's interesting. And this is Iguana. This is out from Raro Video, uh, which, of course, is now being distributed by Kino. Uh, and this was made, uh, you know, Money Hellman just kind of took the work wherever he could get it. And so this is basically an Italian film from the, uh, the Giallo slash Spaghetti Western era. And uh, uh, kind of on the late end of it, you know, it ma- made in 1988. So you're still sort of on the. Like they're they're still making a few spaghetti westerns. They're doing a lot of giallo. You know, giallo, I'm not kind a of fan a, of the giallo. Sixties, sixties into the eighties right. is really that that period. So they're still doing that stuff, and so he's taking advantage of it. And um, it's kind of it's not really a horror film. Um, it's a it's sort of a quasi horror film. It's a little bit more like that Mel Gibson movie. The uh, what was the guy? The guy with half a face. The guy with the no face. What was that thing called? Ah. The Mel Gibson film where he's disfigured and the kid. And oh my the, God! Yeah, the man with the. It's called the man without who had a face. Two faces. The man without a face. Man without a face. Whatever. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like except this guy has a face like an iguana. It's all, you know, nasty and anyway, uh, and it all takes place, uh, you know, in the 19th century. Uh, it's centered around the whaling industry, and uh, it's you know this guy and his alienation. And that was his first film, by the way, as director. Iguana. No, Man Without a Face was Mel Gibson's Oh, Mel first Gibson's. I was going to say, he made, certainly not Iguana, because you know, it was 20 years earlier that he made the other two films. I was I'm gonna, not talking about that. You confused me for a moment. Took uh, me off my game. I'm referencing something that happened 25 seconds ago. All right. So you are. And uh, let's see, cutting through some of the uh, other classics here. Let me, let me just blow through a, a few of the kinos. We have some uh, Kino Studio Classics releases. Uh, this is an ongoing thing that they do through 20th Century Fox and MGM, which means you're getting a lot of MGM and UA and even Orion films in here. So those libraries are now finally being drained and pumped out onto Blu-ray uh, through their agreement with, with Kino. And here's what we're getting. Gorky Park with William Hurt and Lee Marvin, uh, directed by Michael Apted from 1983. Uh, not a great movie. I, uh, you know, it's, it, it's got some good people working on it. I remember. I, but it's just, it's, not, it's a very weak adaptation of, of what I thought was novel. not such a spectacular novel. The but only reason why I wanted to see this film when it came out. Because James I, Warner I was, did the score. You know what? You're goddamn right. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, I was in full-blown James Horner mode. By I, the way, you know, the, you know who the new James Horner is? Alexander Desplat. That guy does everything. Yeah, except he's talented. Yeah, well... And when he rips anyone off, he's ripping off himself. <laughs> As opposed to Horner, who just rips off John Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams. Uh, Horner's kind of retired now, actually. He doesn't do much. Thank goodness. No, you know who does everything is, is Hans Zimmer. I'm sorry, the people who work for Hans Zimmer do everything. No, oh, don't start that conversation. Okay. 
So Blu-ray and DVD combo pack of the ninth configuration. What a weird movie this is with, with Stacey Keach. Uh, William Peter Blatty, who everyone knows as the guy who wrote The Exorcist, uh, he wrote and directed this. And what an odd movie this is. And it's... I'm still not sure what I think of this movie, to be honest. Uh, it has troubled me for years. This was made in 1979. So he, Batty is still kind of playing off of his, uh, his exorcist fame. But um, it, it's, it's very, very strange. It takes place in a mental hospital for soldiers, which is in this weird castle location. And uh, it's, it's a little bit like Cuckoo's Nest filtered through weird kind of existential I don't know what it's a very very unusual film it's got kind of a catch-22 feel to it in some regards like if you were to put I guess catch-22 meets cuckoo's nest might be a good way of doing it but it's it's like I'd rather see catch-22 and cuckoo's nest again it's it's hard to know when it's intentionally funny and when anyway it's a it's a out on blu-ray looks perfectly fine uh sam whiskey is a Burt Reynolds movie uh, with uh, uh, Angie Dickinson in f- fine form from 1969. This is Burt Reynolds when he was uh, really kind of forging him before he was like a, a goofy guy making fun of himself. Uh, not so great. It's it's fine. Um, you know, it's a western and it's mostly just showing off the stars. Ozzy Davis is in it as well, so it's Clint Walker. It's cute. Uh, that's on Blu-ray. We also have uh, More Dead Than Alive with... Clint Walker again, uh, and Vincent Price and Anne Francis. Clint Walker must have the squarest jaw I've ever seen in a movie. They just really, really play it up. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, another kind of uh, boilerplate western from 1969. Uh, you know, it has a following. This was a UA production at the time when UA was kind of trying to reinvent itself as something other than what it originally was. So it was in its, in its 60s period. Um, it's perfectly fine. So uh, you know, it's nothing, nothing remarkable there. Uh, the last three here. Let me. Uh, I'm going to save the best for last. Another Burt Reynolds movie, White Lightning. This is more uh, Burt Reynolds kind of getting into Burt Reynolds mode. He's forming his persona. 1973. Uh, you know, we got he's he plays Gator McCluskey. Perfectly great name for Burt Reynolds' character. He's a moonshiner. You know, put him in a car, fast car. You're like, I can see where that Smokey and the Bandit stuff is uh, is going to suddenly uh, come of age in a few years. And uh, very well directed by the great Joseph Sargent, who, of course, did uh, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. And uh, so this is, this is, you know, for Burt Reynolds fans, this is a little bit more in the ballpark. Uh, Gary Cooper in Man of the West, which is a lesser Western for Gary Cooper. Uh, this is not High Noon, but uh, Gary Cooper kind of holds it down. Anthony Mann getting, you know, uh, just kind of going through his paces in 1958. Um, it's it's you know the the best reason to see this I guess is probably because Jack Lord is in it and you go oh it's the guy from Hawaii Five O, that's uh, you know Lee J Lee Jacob is also uh, pretty good in this but not not terribly fantastic in any respect it's just a, a really solid uh, Gary Cooper western and then lastly this is the good one Viva Maria I've been waiting for this on Blu-ray for the longest time this is a fantastically fun film Brigitte Bardot and Jeanne Moreau for Louis Malle. With George Hamilton in a supporting part, this is a fantastic film made in 1965. Uh, the, the two hottest actresses in France in the 1960s and uh, one of the hottest directors at the time, Louis Malle, obviously, uh, with a screenplay by Louis Malle and Jean-Claude Carrière, who just got a special award from the Academy at their governor's banquet a few days ago, or yesterday, right? Just like a day or two ago. Uh, a, a, an amazing bunch of uh, people. This is a French-language film 
but what a great, great movie. This, uh, the whole thing is um, uh, basically kind of a, uh, it, it's a, just a, a weird satire of uh, a, a whole litany of cultural things, including American Westerns, and uh, it all sort of begins in 1910 with these two women who do this amazing striptease. And then everything just it, it, from there, you, you just you're, you're hooked on these two actresses, and you're hooked on the fact that that George Hamilton actually was once young. Uh, really, just a cool film, a great cult classic, beautifully done, very much in kind of the '60s sensibility, but somehow it transcends. It's like you know, think of it as like Barbarella times two minus sci-fi. Maybe that's a good way of doing it. Uh, is that a, so, so? That's the good way of doing that's it. That's a good way of doing it. Very, so. very interesting. All right. Oh wait! Look, here's the thing. Here's the yeah. thing. We can't go on until we talk about Kino's amazing, awesome Hall of Fame new Blu-ray of the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Sweet. This is uh, from 1920. This is this is absolutely the most one of the most striking films you'll ever see. Not only is this an amazing representation, if it didn't start really the movement known as uh, German Expressionism, um, but really. I think if you take a look at just some of the the, the, the skewed angles, it's fantastic, and the black and white of it, it's gorgeous, and it's just so gorgeous. I, I think you can really draw a line from this to just the 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 shadows and the distortions and the tilt and angles of like film noir. I think there's it's, a I think it, there's, there's a no, line to be drawn there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, German expressionism to film noir is a straight line, and obviously there are other things that influence film noir, like you know the, the pulp novels that it was based on. Sure, uh, but in terms of the look, the lighting, the yeah. shadows, yeah. you know, I think there's some German expressionism. Hard, that boil, with, hard-boiled American authors plus German directors, and uh, not enough money for a full lighting kit <laughs> equals great movies. Yeah, but you know what, uh, director uh, Robert Veen. He, I have a feeling that if you gave that guy, you know, like a million dollars, which of course in 1920 would have yeah. been like a billion dollars. Yeah. I don't know what else he would have done. I, I mean, don't know. this, I, I'm not even sure if German expressionism would have flowered no, if the film was have. done in any other way no. than this. No. Because it is so otherworldly. It is. Even though it's two dimensional, it is just so, it's just it's like this weird, trippy, dreamy thing. It's awesome. Now, the movie's only 77 minutes. And I say that because if you want an indispensable piece of film history, in only 77 minutes, you got to release Rent, yeah. uh, Kino's version of uh, Kino's release of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. There are some bonus features in here, including a documentary, which is uh, pretty cool, Caligari, How Horror Came to the Cinema, because Caligari is considered by some sort of the proto-horror film, the, yeah. let's say the first horror film. Yeah. I mean, it's not scary, no. but for, I mean, for the time, it was... A I mean, yeah. freak out, but not by today's standards. It's just, no, no, but it's it, it. You know that basically there are three kind of well, three or four silent era films that are considered sort of the hallmarks of, of the, the origins of the modern day horror film. Caligari is one of them. Uh, the Golem, Der Golem, is another one of them, and Nosferatu, obviously. So, but Caligari really is is a is a fantastic template. It's a wonderful wonderful movie. Now, the only thing I wasn't a huge fan of is that there's a, there's uh obviously there's a music score. This is obviously a silent film, 1920. And some of the music was done by DJ Spooky. Yeah. Which I guess is a selling point for some folks, but you know what? It's Caligari. I don't need DJ Spooky. I don't need DJ anybody to be doing the score for my classic what historically about, important. What about when uh George Moroder did the uh, all the all the music for that uh, re-release of Metropolis back in the 80s? See, I see I didn't like that. You love that. You love George <laughs> Moroder. It was cool. It's funny you would mention Metropolis because cool. there's a lot of similarities in yeah. terms of uh, Metropolis, all, Fritz Lang and whatnot yeah. and just so gorgeously yeah. art directed and everything. Anyway, so 
um, what I think we've learned is that there was some amazing stuff coming out of Germany in the uh, pre-sound era. Yep. Indeed, indeed. We also have, uh, finally, and at long last, the uh, 10th anniversary Blu-ray Ultimate Edition of Kingdom of Heaven, Ridley Scott's uh, Crusades film, uh, kind of centered around the, uh, the, the, the Third Crusade, or at least events leading up to the Third Crusade. Uh, and uh, this includes all three versions previously released at long last. Finally, thank you. Um, uh, it, that's a little bit uh, weighty for some people. Considering that there are uh, three different versions, let's put it this way. I'll, I'll, I'll whittle this down for you. The original theatrical version, which was rated PG uh, or PG-13, crap. It's junk. It's, uh, it's watered down. It's, it's, it's just lame. It's not good. And it's not historically accurate in any way whatsoever. And it's just it, it, he pulls his punches. The, um, the director's cut um, is good. The director's cut roadshow version is the best. And that's the one that I would say, stick with that one. That's where you kind of finally feel like they sorted out the movie that should have been released. And again, not as good as Gladiator by any means, but it is, it's certainly on the, uh, on the, uh, the higher end of, uh, it's like, like, you know, maybe a half a notch below Gladiator at that point. So uh, definitely significant. And uh, there are commentaries galore here as a trivia track. Um, on the second disc, tons and tons of extras, uh, you know, stuff from their world premieres and uh, things on the sound design, the visual effects. So, I mean, once, you know, if you love this movie, this is it. There is a, a segment here on history versus Hollywood, which uh, is really not terribly interesting and doesn't get into the nuances of it. If you are a buff, uh, if you're a fan of the Crusades, and I shouldn't say a fan, if you're an aficionado of the Crusades, because nobody would be like, oh, that was so awesome. I loved it when they were like slaughtering each other and you know, like putting, putting poop on catapults and, and, and catapulting disease over the walls. That's great. Like You get dysentery because somebody like catapulted their, their excrement. That's wonderful. Uh, but this is uh, it, it, this is good. It's solid. So Ultimate Edition, two discs, Blu-ray, well done. Uh, Wade, uh, uh, not quite at the Crusades, but um, much funnier than the Crusades. Kingpin. Now, Kingpin's from 1996. This is directed by the Farrelly Brothers. This has become kind of a, movie. This has become kind of a cult comedy. It's, uh, it's with Bill Murray, Woody Harrelson, and uh, yeah, Randy Quaid. Oh my gosh! Really, Randy you don't Quaid. like this movie? But first of all, I don't like you know you know what I, I, I yeah the movie annoys like come on I, dude the, he wins you realize that Roy Munson wins the thousand dollar Odor Eaters Bowling Championship That's and that great. gets everything going. May I just detour for a moment? No. What is going on with Randy Quaid? Is he completely out <laughs> of his he's mind? Become a freak? Oh my gosh! He and his wife are running around. It's like it's 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 almost like paranoid schizophrenia has become contagious. Did they just drop? Did they have the same bad acid trip at the same time? I don't they know. Think but everyone's out, they think everyone's after them. It is weird. They like owe money and they're bankrupt and they're on the lamb and they're in Canada and then they're crossing the bu- like no one knows where they are. <laughs> Poor Dennis Quaid. He, he gets this every time he's promoting something. Somebody's like, "Oh, so what's up with your brother?" It's like, and he's like, "I oh. love my brother." Next question. Okay, look. Here's the thing. Man, Dennis. Okay, Ray, uh, Dennis Quaid. Okay. Yeah. Agelessly handsome. Okay. Yeah. Even today, that guy is kind of super handsome. Mm-hmm. Then, so he got the good genes. Enter Randy Quaid. <laughs> Randy Quaid got the short end of the genetic stick on that one. I know. I mean, come on. Yeah. Randy Dennis. I mean, seriously, Randy probably Dennis probably walks into the, to Thanksgiving at the Quaid household. <laughs> He's looking all million dollar smile. The guy's like been gorgeous for whatever sixty years. Here comes Randy. 
you know, 275 pounds, yeah. you know, just all slovenly and just lives in a trailer but in a ditch man, somewhere. He worked it well in, uh, in Christmas Vacation, didn't he? Yes, he did. With and the, uh, the, the, the leopard uh, speedos and the whole, that was He great. also saved the world in Independence Day. Yes, he did. I'm back. Okay. Damn. Anyway, yeah, no, Kingpin, I'm not a, not a fan. I, I'm just not a fan. It's it just, I find the, the whole thing, I think it's, this is like the worst of the Farrelly Brothers' instincts to me. And even Bill Murray doesn't make me laugh in this. Well, he, he's, gone, he's gone for big parts of it. Yeah. You know, and the, the thing is that he's gone for big parts of it, which means that when he finally comes back, the movie perks up a little bit. Now, they got two versions of the thing here, an R-rated version as well. So, uh, well We have care. one more thing real quick. Uh, we have um, Compañero. So Compañeros was directed by the guy who did uh, Django, which, of course, is one of my all-time favorite oh, Carbu- awesome Carbucci. movies. Carbucci. Sergio Carbucci. He's awesome. And so here we have uh, Franco Nero, who played uh, Django in the original. He's this uh, arms dealer. He's from uh, Sweden. And uh, he hooks up with this Mexican bandit. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the story. The Mexican bandit and the Swedish arms dealer. It's not as cool as Django. Very little is as cool as Django. But Fernando Ray's in it. Jack Palance, who, who, did, who did a lot of work in, in Italy back in the day. He's in it. Ennio Marconi did the score. So it's cool stuff. I w- if, if you're into um, really kind of cool, interesting movies from the 70s that your friends probably haven't heard of, I would start with Django, which is super cool, and then you can move on to, like, Companieros, which is okay. All right. And then uh, we have a trio of uh, films from Olive, once again, the good people at Olive, who we just think are so great. They just prog- they program such interesting releases. Uh, a couple of these are, you know, they're, they're serviceable. They're basically out there for people who are fans of the era. They're kind of, you know, uh, programmers, as they would say. From 1949, South of St. Louis, uh, which is a Western with Joel McRae and Dorothy Malone uh, and Zachary Scott, people who, you know, have no shortage of, uh, of pedigree when it comes to these kinds of Westerns. Uh, you know, beautiful color Western, not pre-widescreen era, 1949. Uh, so not a lot of color Westerns from that era. Um, but it's, it's perfectly fine, you know. It's, uh, it's post-Civil War and, you know, a lot of, a lot of good... A lot of good kind of nostalgia there. And then we also have um, Dragonfly Squadron, which is a 3D movie. And kind of for that reason, probably worth checking out. Uh, They have the 2D and 3D versions here. This is 1954, which was when everybody's trying to kind of get on the 3D bandwagon. That was the first official 3D moment uh, in movie history. And it's a Korean War film. Uh, not a particularly great film. The 3D is really the only reason to see this. It's it's a it, kind of a mediocre story. Not a great cast. It's uh, you know it's just all about 3D aerial photography and a little bit of battle stuff. But it's interesting and it's been very nicely restored. Looks very very uh, slick and colorful and, and crisp. And they've done a really good job kind of putting it together for for Blu-ray. Um, but you know watch it watch it in the in 3D and uh, and let us know what you think if it works for you. I I I, I think it actually is, you know I'm not a fan of 3D. But I think as a as an archival kind of bit of history, I think it's very interesting. And then the one that you gotta get, you gotta get this. You gotta get this. It's one of the great World War II films of all time. Sands of Iwo Jima with John Wayne. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Beautifully put together. Really one of the, the best John Wayne films. This was also from 1949. Uh, a film really ahead of its time and uh, not your typical John Wayne film. He plays kind of a, a typical you know John Wayne character as this as this you know tough sergeant. But uh, it's not. It doesn't sort of sacrifice history to 
you know, sort of pump up the John Wayne persona. It really, really, really is uh, a tribute to the men who, who, you know, stormed the beaches there at Iwo Jima and fought for it, raised the flag. It's, it's really, really nicely done. Beautifully, beautifully put together on DVD. Archival elements, uh, pristinely mastered, and uh, Olive really has outdone themselves in this one. So that is Sands of Iwo Jima, the John Wayne classic from 1949 on Blu-ray. And, you know, get it. That's all I can tell you. Wade, let's do some new movies. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing with The Hobbit. You know what? Here, I like them. No, no, you know what? They're stupid. I do. I no, like them. They're em. stupid. I'll tell I, you why. I like stupid. the Hobbit films so much more yeah. than the Lord of the Rings films. Forget it. You know what? I can't take more midgets in Ren Faire costumes saying, <laughs> Storm the Tree! That's like all those movies to me. Well, I don't get it. I just the, don't get it. Oh, this, the, the smog guy was cool. The dragon. Yeah. They did the, a good job Benedict with him. Cum, Benedict Cumberbatch Whatever. doing the, the voice of smog. I don't get it. Um, here, here's the thing. What I enjoy about these movies, I enjoy the fact that, uh, as I have said in, on many other occasions, that Bilbo Baggins is an insufferable Butterfingers. The guy cannot hold on to anything. In every single scene where he, where he is entrusted with hanging on to something, whether it's a sword or a ring or something, he always drops it. And every time he drops something, it either falls into like a dragon's nest or it rolls off a cliff and it gets him into trouble as he has to hunt it down. That's kind of the, the template for these movies. It's just Bilbo chasing down crap that he drops. That's it. It should be like, uh, you know, The Hobbit Part 2, Bilbo chasing more stuff that he's dropped. The Hobbit, the conclusion, Bilbo finally recovering the stuff that he's dropped. That's all it is. It's just him going after stuff that he's dropped. Uh, that being said... Uh, I think the, the additional stuff that they keep adding it's here... It's so long. All these Blu-rays, they add... No, like they don't need to add the, any more stuff. Extended but edition, another extended edition, extension to the extended edition. I enough have, already. I really actually enjoy these films. Oh, I, I really smell. do enjoy the Hobbit films. What the hell is a smell anyway? It's the, it's the, it's the dragon. Uh, as always, really wonderful commentary. Uh, Peter Jackson just really knows how to host these commentaries in a, in a wonderful, casual, but very informative way. There are five discs here, and I, I just think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. So, you know, this is the extended edition. I don't know if the 25 minutes are worth it. I don't know, but I think the extras are worth probably upgrading from the, the regular edition if you have it. Wait, what am I holding in my hands right now? Angelina Jolie with horns. In a movie we like to call... Maleficent. Yes. This you know, that's a hot nung, a new young name for uh, babies. Maleficent? A lot of baby girls are being called being named Maleficent. It now. is not true. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Look, nowadays... You know, so I get this. I got my hair cut today. Yeah. Right? I went to Supercuts. I have to say... Okay, here's when I get my hair cut, here's what I have. I know. Okay. Here's, here's what I've got. I've got my $100 guy. Yeah. Right? He, yeah. He's less than $100, but he's expensive. Yeah. He's the guy who I've been going to for many, many years. Sure. He used to do the Kardashians hair. Oh, Roseanne, well. I know. Well, okay. I is went it like to, an, it's like an E no, deal? I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I went to him well before anybody knew who Kim Kardashian was. Okay. He just became a celebrity guy, but I'm kind of yeah. loyal to him. Okay. I've been going to him for like 15 years. Okay. Okay. All I want is a trim. I don't want to spend sure. 85 bucks on a trim. Right. So when that happens, I go down the street to Supercuts. Sure. So... The other guy in the chair is talking to the uh, barber, right. or was stylist, what the hell they call him. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're a barber. Not enough with the stylist. Come on, don't inflate yourself. You're a goddamn barber. Yeah. Anyway, they're talking about the, the guy in the chair is talking about his kids. Sure. Uh, his name is John, and her name is Mary. Not making this up. Right. So they're talking about, oh, what's your son's name? My son's name is Aiden. Oh, how do you spell that? A D E N. And I'm, lo- I'm thinking to myself, Aiden, that doesn't really spell Aiden. And so the, the stylist says, that's interesting. How'd you come up with that? Well, 
Um, all of our names have four letters. My name is John. My wife's name is Mary. So we wanted our son's name to also have four letters, and we wanted his name to be Aiden. So we had to come up with a way to make it four letters. And that's what we did. <laughs> that's a, I'm not making that up. That happened okay. like two hours ago. Okay. What? And so, okay. So th- <laughs> that, that, the only reason that has anything to do with Maleficent is because we got off on names? Correct. Okay. So uh, right. now, okay, this movie was directed by an art, art director. Production yeah. designer, yeah. So, which means one thing: he, this guy is going to get his rocks off like you have not. Yeah. This, and he this, does. It is going to be a, just a resume piece like you could not believe. It, it but is. is it a good movie? It's okay. <laughs> I know. It's so it's sad. Okay. <laughs> I know. It is. I mean, it's, I mean, it looks nice, but it's not. It like it, it's, I'd say, watch Sleeping Beauty instead. I'd rather watch Sleeping. This, this to me feels like you know just a, a mercenary cash in by Disney. Yeah. And we talked about this on the. Um, uh, uh, on the I Facebook consider this, page. Yeah, I, I think this film is a success because it's not horrible. I know that's the thing. Yeah, and Angelina Jolie, who I, I, I she, Angelina Jolie is the perfect casting for this because yeah. she is evil to me. I don't think she's attractive. I think she scares the crap out of me. I think she just, I think she would just eat me alive, and I don't mean that like in a sexual way. Yeah, I think she would. She's weird and creepy and scary, so she's perfect for this role. And I have to say that the action sequences, they're cool. They got a lot of they got a lot of action to them, a lot of punch, a lot of good rhythm, whatnot. Uh, you know, um, I, I don't know that ultimately this is really good enough to warrant like you know three sequels. You know, look, frankly, yeah. um, Alice in Wonderland was not good enough to warrant a sequel, but they're making a sequel to that. So I would kind of I would rent this. I think it's a good rental. Looks nice. A lot of extras, including deleted scenes. And how they kind of, and there's a feature, the only feature that I liked was the one that kind of examines how they took the cartoon character, the animated character, cartoon character sounds sure. so uh, yeah. disrespectful, yeah. and made it into a live action character, which is interesting. There, 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 there's some reconceptualization that has to be done. But ultimately, this film is unnecessary, and as Wade says, and I agree, it was good by virtue of the fact that it didn't suck. Yes. Uh, you know, a little movie here that was released by Sony Classics earlier this year, Land Ho. Uh, not my kind of movie. I don't like it at all. It was shot all. in Iceland. I know. Did you, you saw it? Yeah. It's an annoying movie. It's so it's so yeah. irritating. It's like one of these movies that's sort of semi-improvised, and they only made it because they were they, they were able to go to Iceland and make it. It's basically a couple of old guys who used to be brothers-in-law, uh, and uh, they just go on this road trip to Iceland to just sort of, you know, have one last at life and one of them is you know fairly conservative and the other one is this goofy old you know surgeon guy who smokes pot and t- spins his, his tails and he's got this deep kind of foghorn leghorn voice and he's irritating beyond all comprehension and as it turns out he's uh, cousins of, of Martha Stevens who's one of the co-writers directors Martha Stevens and Aaron Katz co-wrote it and direct, co-directed it and um, their stuff is kind of like this it's you know I, I said this on, on NPR at the time too uh, that this tries to do what another film I think does much better which is an actual Icelandic film from 20 some odd years ago which is uh, The Children of Nature which is a, a film by the Icelandic director Friedrich Thor Friedrichsen about an old couple who break out of an Icelandic you know, rest home and go on the lamb. And it's their road trip, which becomes very kind of surreal and existential at a certain point and winds up with a bizarre but very cool tie-in with Wings of Desire. And uh, you're like, what? It's the coolest thing in the world. Um, and I love that, that they did that. And Iceland is a gorgeous place, but I just don't think that this film really captures Iceland as well as that film did. And, and it's just, you know, they made it because they had a chance to make it and good for them, but it's not very entertaining. 
Uh, also recommended a film that kind of slipped under a lot of radar is The Most Wanted Man. This is the uh, yeah. la- final starring role of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, you know, when you watch him in this film, you really get angry at him because he denied us. I know. He denied us at I least know. another, whatever, couple dozen great film appearances, maybe an Oscar or two. You know, it just is such an effing tragedy. You look at that guy, you go, God damn it, man. Yeah. You messed up because you, you, you cheated us. Because you're awesome, yeah. And here he plays kind of a role he's never really played. He plays this. Um, he's like a German intelligence agent. Who uh, there's this guy. He's half Chechen, half Russian. He's a Muslim, and he all of a sudden he shows up in Hamburg, and you got he's got to figure out who this guy is. Is he a yeah. terrorist? And it's kind of exciting stuff. And, it, and the, the, what I liked about it is that it's a pretty complex story. Yeah. But it's pretty simply told. So you don't get bogged. You know? You, do you remember Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Sure. Which I off the charts loved yeah that movie was so complicated but in the end the plot didn't really matter that much you just sort of swept away with it yep but this one complicated simply told I get it great cast Willem Dafoe Robin Wright Rachel McAdams is fine Uh, so this uh, this little spy thriller that uh, slipped under the radar I would check it out A Most Wanted Man nice I think I'm gonna watch that tonight because I gotta catch up on that one Jersey Boys, Mark. Dud. Uh, you know what? I think people were really too hard on this film. Uh, I really do. You know what? Clint's got to. If, 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 if Clint doesn't nail American Sniper, which seems like right up his alley, like it like like, be. like it's almost like that the trailer last, is great. American Sniper. What I'm hoping is that's like his last Don Siegel movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? The one where he just just nails the grit. Well, this the, is the thing. Clint does not have the sensibilities for Jersey Boys. Clint doing Jersey Boys feels a little bit like Richard Attenborough doing um, Chorus Line, right? <laughs> You're sort of like, is that really a proper marriage of director and material? Really? How about Sidney Lumet doing The Wiz? Yeah, that too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's just certain. Th- I, I know all these guys want to do the musical because they all grew up on musicals and they they all you know Clint has been in musicals. He, he sang in. Uh, you know, in uh, paint your wagon, you paint your wagon. But uh, he doesn't have the narrative touch for something like Jersey Boys. And uh, that being said, I think the charm of the stage production still does come through. I think there's some wonderful stuff in here. It doesn't all hang together as a movie very well. Uh, he just doesn't have that light, jovial touch. It doesn't. It feels like the whole thing. It feels like it has a ball and chain on its ankles the whole time. You know, it, it, it just does, doesn't. It's it not does light on light, its feet. It, no, it's not. Yeah. But that being said, I, I still think that there's enough charm in it to make it worth recommending. I mean, it's still a good story, and it's got some, you know, these, these are guys who did the play, and it's got Christopher Walken. And how do you go wrong with Christopher Walken in a movie? Any movie that Christopher Walken is worth checking out. Wait, um, do you remember when uh, when we learned that Brett Ratner would be directing a Hercules oh movie? Oh, my gosh. Do you remember how much we laughed and said, yes. oh, my God, how the mighty have fallen? Yeah, and then it came out, and a lot of people were kind to it. And I want to just punch them because I was like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> you hear that Brett Ratner is going to make a movie with the with the Rock, and it's a Hercules movie, and you imagine how horrible it's going to be, and then it comes out, and it's exactly what you imagined, and yet somehow you're going to, you're, you're forgiving of it because it's not worse than what you imagined. Stop it! It's like Maleficent. It's, it's, it's <laughs> come on, stop! It's not a good movie. It's terrible. <laughs> This is a horribly stupid movie. And by the way, nobody's even thinking of that thing for uh, for sequels. You know, oh no! Came and went, and that was it. No, it wasn't terrible. That's all. No. That's all you got. It's just it's just a, it's a CGI fest. It's as you expected it to be, and it's just Dwayne John. It's not even mythologically correct. It's just it's just it's silly. They just sort of decided to just play fast and loose with as much CGI you know mythological junk as they could. Because you know crazy. what's but because here's what's interesting about Ratner. Yeah. Okay. He, as a director, he's a bit of a laughing stock. He knows that. Yeah, but I'm he, not sure he does know it. I'm really not. <laughs> well, here's the thing: 
he's got this production thing called Rat Pack Entertainment. Yeah. Now, Rat Pack Entertainment, they they do kind of real movies. I mean, Rat Pack Entertainment just optioned, or they're going to help uh, with Warner Brothers. <laughs> they're going to help make the Goldfinch, which won the Pulitzer Prize last year. Yes. Well, what what you know, look, Brett Ratner, if nothing else, has a skill that I will grant him, which is that he is a relentless networker and schmoozer. He, he is. He's, it's just unrelenting how that guy just presses the flesh and moves around and moves in circles and, and just works the room. He really does. He's got no talent as a filmmaker. None. Zero. Zilch. Squat. He, the guy does, you know. And I've been on the set. I've seen him direct. I've, I've been on the set of movies when he's directing. And you're very aware of the fact that the producers are running that show. No, no. They're, they're, he is on a very short leash. You know the story about, about, about uh, the X-Men film he directed, right? Oh, yeah. When, he, he when, called up Brian Singer and says, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me out here. You know, help me sort through this. Yeah, he, he doesn't know what he's doing, and it's he's on a very short leash. But you know what? He he's he's he does what he's told. But that being said, he's an amazing networker, and he really knows how to work a room. And he he pulled this financing deal together. And when uh, Warner Brothers lost their contract with uh, with Legendary, uh, he stepped right up and brought this pile of money in in investment capital. And uh, you know what? Uh, good for him. Maybe that's what he should be doing. Yeah. Look. Look. Goldfinch won the Pulitzer Prize. I know it's a real. It's going to be a. It's going to be a prestige film. All right, totally. And Rat Pack Entertainment is involved. Hey, as long as he doesn't get to claim an Oscar out of it, I'm okay. Uh, you never know. No, that would. But then again, all But also, it reminds me of uh, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close. Yeah, which was like the most insufferable oh movie my ever. Gosh. I, I remember seeing that, but I mean that—that's another highly yeah. acclaimed film. That was a I mean, highly yeah, acclaimed novel. book. That was an anticipated film, and then the film wound up being terrible. Hopefully, the Goldfinch will be better yeah. than that. So we got a few more, a few more titles to, to blow through here. Uh, Tammy, Melissa McCarthy, and her husband, uh, who of course we all remember as being her sort of love interest in uh, Bridesmaids. Uh, they, they, you know, this is their attempt to kind of become like a husband and wife deal. And he directed it, and she stars in it, and it's, it's supposed to be like a whole thing. She's just, she's just this messed up woman trying to put her life together back and road trip with her wacky grandma, played by uh, Susan Sarandon. And all the funny stuff is in the trailer. It's not really that funny. But it's not that bad either. It's not terrible. It's just uneven. Uh, and, and i got to tell you, you know, Melissa McCarthy does manage to be charming and to make things funny even when it has no business being funny. This is a Blu-ray and DVD and uh, ultraviolet combo set. And uh, to help promote this, they furnished us, Mark, with one apiece. Look, look what we got. Isn't this special? They sent us the, uh, the the paper bag that she uses as the uh, the mask when she tries to rob the fast food joint. They sent us one apiece, so you and I can go out and we can rob a we can rob a fast food joint wearing these uh, these uh, masks, these paper bag masks. Yeah, I won't be doing that. You won't be doing that. You may have to find someone else to wear a paper bag mask with me and commit larceny. That's just going to be too bad. Anyway, uh, there's a few extras on here. The uh, the Tammy's road trip checklist, which is you know cute, and a few other things. But you know, gag reel and some deleted scenes. It's not uh, you know not spectacular. If you enjoyed the movie, if you enjoy her, I guess that's that's the recommendation. Uh, Wade, here's the thing. Uh, you know, on the Facebook page, we <laughs> talked about how, or I think I had noted how studios now are really judged on the amount of franchises they have. That's what they want. True. That's what stockholders want. Yep. Disney, I mean, they've got basically they have Marvel. Yep. They have Lucasfilm. Yep. Right. They got uh, the Toy Story. There's now a Toy Story four. Oh, that, that, it was a, it was the Toy Story thread where you made that comment. That's right. Now we've got um, cars, which of course led to planes, which has now led to planes, fire, and rescue, which is uh, it, it's about it's maybe 
three percent better than a uh, direct-to-DVD film. So I don't see the point in this other than just Disney milking the franchise, going to the franchise teat once again. True. Uh, so it's the plot is kid simple. Um, it's just not really worth it. I mean, the voice cast is pretty good. Julie Bowen is funny, and Ed Harris, you know, is I've never seen Ed Harris do this kind of a thing. He's yeah. terrific. Dane Cook is even fine, but I just think this thing is just direct to DVD, not really worth it. Fine for the kids, but I, I, I would just go ahead and pass on it. And uh, Gabriel Iglesias uh, in the Fluffy movie, which is basically just him doing his stand-up. It's concert uh, film. It's on Blu-ray and DVD with Ultraviolet. Uh, you know, if you if you love Gabriel Iglesias, and I think he is very funny, uh, you'll love this. But it's 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 just a concert film. So you know, anyone who's not into the the fat comics and the whole fat routine uh, probably won't mean much to you. But he is very very funny. He's a he's a really really talented comic, and uh, I'm surprised that he hasn't sort of forged a a, a career more outside the the stand up scene you know like yeah, why, why wouldn't you but wouldn't, wouldn't you have expected it's a weird time for stand-ups though it's not like it's not like the 80s when like stand everybody were, got a sitcom everybody got a sitcom those yeah. days are kind of over that's kind of it's, it, they are aren't they well Fox had that show Mulaney yeah you know Mulaney was a show that they had a, they had a, a lot of hopes for I think it was yeah. on after uh, they launched it after Family Guy on Sunday nights and yeah. it was about this he's a stand-up in real life and they gave him a sitcom and each show starts with him doing a couple minutes in front of a brick wall like Seinfeld used to do but that show's already gone yeah well anyway I, I would have expected him to start getting some movie parts maybe a sitcom you know at least something but you know I mean it's it's anyway that's what he does uh, Wait, the one I love is a film that um, I don't know if you saw this or not but um, it's a good movie it's a really interesting examination of a relationship it's with Mark Duplass who of course is famous for the uh. um, for the <laughs> for the uh, you know the 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 the, 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 the the mumblecore mumblecore thing which I like even though I Can't couldn't remember the name him. which I like and apologize for and I don't apologize for liking the way doesn't like Mark Duplass Elizabeth Moss they play a, uh, a married couple they're on the rocks and they decide to uh, go to a vacation house for the weekend to kind of save the marriage and you know I have to say that uh, there's a lot of interesting insights on marriage and on you know who men feel they have to be in order to make a marriage work. Who women have to feel they have to be in order to make a marriage work. And the guy who directed it, Charlie McDowell, is—I uh, don't know where this guy came from, but you know I think he could do some really interesting stuff. You know he's very character interested, very relationship oriented, and I think there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. The one I love. Maybe I will give it a chance. <laughs> Maybe. All right, and then uh, going to wrap out. We've got a whole lot of uh, DVD-R stuff, otherwise known as MOD, Manufacture on Demand, uh, from both the Warner Archives and the uh, Fox Cinema Archives. A lot of uh, kind of you know mediocre stuff here. We're going to make mention of everything, just that you kind of know what's out there, but also some really really great stuff, including a couple of Blu-rays from Warner. But first, I just want to put your uh, put this on your radar. The Big Sleep. No, not the original noir classic. This is the 1978. Um, remake or reimagining as, as it might be um, director Michael Winner wrote and directed this and kind Michael of tried Winner th- who also directed Death Wish yeah so in 1978, uh, Michael Winner decided to kind of put his own spin on the uh, the Raymond Chandler uh, story that was you know so beautifully immortalized uh, in uh, in the noir era, and uh, it, it you know a lot of people really like this. Some people I amazingly prefer this. I can't imagine anyone really preferring it, but it is it is sort of interesting. And this is uh, being released by Timeless Media, 
Uh, it's an okay DVD. It's it's it could probably do with a little bit of cleaning up and and uh, you know making it look a little less dated, a little less uh, really anchored in the '70s. The elements aren't in the greatest shape, but uh, it's okay. You know, uh, starring uh, Robert Mitchum and Sarah Miles. It's you know, it, it, the, I guess the the one thing you can say about this is that the strength of the material carries it. Chandler is always resonant and relevant. Uh, Warner Archive Collection has a couple of Blu-ray releases, and they don't do these frequently. There are only a handful they do every so often. These are phenomenal. This, I'm kind of shocked, wasn't a big, splashy Blu-ray book, you know, but uh, thank God it's out. And uh, that would be uh, James Cagney in his Oscar-winning performance as George M. Cohen in the Yankee Doodle Dandy. And what an amazing movie this is. Anyone who just uh, remembers Cagney is just like, yeah, yeah, the guy who pulls out guns and shoots people. You know, uh, top of the world, Mon. No. This is James Cagney. This is where you find out what an amazingly talented song and dance man he, he was. And it's just, this is a tour de force performance. Unbelievable. Great film. Maybe the best performance of Cagney's entire career. It is an absolutely wonderful biopic. Uh, one of the best biopics probably ever made. It just is breezy and beautiful. And God bless the Warner Archive people for this fantastic Blu-ray. It is gorgeous beyond all belief. I am so thrilled that it's out. So that is a must-own, do-not-miss. The other one is Possessed with Joan Crawford and Van Heflin. Uh, kind of surprised that this one uh, was a, a Blu-ray selection. Um, it, it is a really fantastically classic film, but it's one that's a little bit under people's radar. So uh, I'm thrilled that they chose this for for Blu-ray, and it gives me hope that some other kind of you know films that are a little bit more under the radar might get the Blu-ray call soon. Uh, this is a it, it really extraordinary performance by Joan Crawford. Um, it's kind of a study of schizophrenia, basically, and it's not one of those hysterical movies from the uh, the 30s and 40s where you know you just uh, some mental illness or something is treated just very haphazardly it's a plot device very serious a, a look at this here uh, a little bit pulpy but still really really excellent and a uh, good film to check out with a great commentary by Drew Casper who's done a lot of these commentaries and very very adept at it and a wonderful featurette so uh, Joan Crawford really really good and possessed with Van Heflin certainly no slouch himself and then rolling through the rest, these are all uh, DVD R's from the uh, Warner Archive collection. We have uh, Gold is Where You Find It with uh, Olivia de Havilland and Claude Rains uh, anchoring a, a really good. It's a you know a, a gold rush movie. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, not not brilliant, but anything kind of set in the gold rush era is uh, is you know worth it worth a worth a look. George Arliss has kind of fallen off of people's radar, but he was a big deal back in the time. He was a, a very, you know, a patrician gentleman. He made a lot of very, very uh, solid films, and this is one of them. Uh, this is called The Man Who Played God, and it's a little bit dated, but Arliss is always really, really good, and uh, Betty Davis even shows up in a supporting part here, which is, which is nice, based on the play, so it feels very, very uh, play-like, but that's worth checking out. Uh, Olivia de Havilland and uh, Sonny Tufts are in Government Girl. Um, again, not Olivia de Havilland's greatest hour, but she, you know this is kind of a programmer that uh, made the rounds for RKO back in the day, and uh, it's very, very solid. Some other really wonderful supporting performances here, including Agnes Moorhead, who I always loved seeing when she was young before she became Samantha's mom on Bewitched. Um, Marion Davies 
who had a uh, very, very uh, well. Actually, let me let me make mention of the. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna get over here to uh, another Olivia de Havilland movie, Wings of the Navy. This is a real solid uh, Warner Brothers military film that you know uh, kind of did what they were all supposed to do at the time, which is pump everybody up, but uh, you know for the World War II war effort and get everybody you know hating Hitler and you know people forget Hitler had kind of a following around the world. You had to sort of <laughs> he, he had did. to be elected chancellor. He, Somebody he, had to vote for him. He, he he was not as unpopular in the 30s, even in the United States, as he is now. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, prior to murdering millions of people, he, he kind of, a lot of people thought, we need a guy like that. It's a little like Putin, right? You, you bump into people today, right, who, who are like, oh, I wish we had a guy like Putin running the country. It's like, no, really? I don't think you do. I'm not sure, you're, I'm not sure you've been briefed. Let's, let's, let's step aside. Let me explain a few things to you. You know, Putin almost killed me. You know that story, right? Have I told that story before? I, I, I think look, I have, haven't I? Whether I say yes or no, you're going to tell it again. No, I'm not. Tell the story again quickly because people, if people, no, new listeners well, when, maybe when, don't know. The, 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 the polonium poisoning episode in, in London. Okay, we, he didn't kill you. No, but we were literally like two or three doors down from that restaurant at the same time having uh, Thai food. And the, the, he was at the sushi restaurant. I mean, we were right there. I know. We they, were there, literally there. And, and it I, was like the day a day later when we heard about it. We're watching it on the news at Andrew's place, and we're like, "What? What? What?" We're freaking out. And I still remember that that haunting, tragic photo of the guy with the bald oh, head, and he's in the he's horrible. in the uh, bed. Terrible. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. So uh, you got a little Flyboy film here uh, with uh, Olivia De Havilland and John Payne, who's another one of those guys that just never was always good looking his whole life. Incredible. Uh, so this is this is fun. George Brent. Guy that's kind of fallen off the radar. James Cagney again with uh, Pat O'Brien, Marie Wilson, Ralph Bellamy in uh, Boy Meets Girl. There's a fun title for you. Uh, this is a charming film. Cagney really kind of holds it all down. Pat O'Brien, you know, is in his wake for most of the film, but very nicely directed by Lloyd Bacon, who did Forty uh, Second Street and, uh, and a bunch of other musicals at the time. It's it's nice, nice, you know, breezy little. Uh, Little programmer from the from the period, kind of above the level of a programmer, based on a on a popular play, as many of them were, and then uh, wrapping out here with the uh, Warner Archive stuff, Marion Davies, five and ten. You know, Marion Davies uh, is such an interesting figure, and um, you know, had had probably a better career than she deserved, um, but at the same time, I'm not sure she had the career that she should have had. Does that make sense? Uh, very little of what you say makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, never mind then. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel like she shot to fame too quickly not, based on not enough evident talent. But once she had her career, I don't feel like she ever reached her full potential. Maybe that's a, a better way of putting it. Um, so I find this to be a very, very interesting film, 5 and 10, uh, which is unlike most of her other efforts. The, you know, she's not playing a, a she's not doing funny here. She's really kind of trying to do something a lot more serious, be more dramatic, and uh, much more melodramatic, and really holding her own against Leslie Howard, who is not an easy guy to, to act against. I mean, Leslie Howard, really one of the great actors of the day, uh, completely kills his, his performance here. This is based on a book and uh, produced by the great Robert Z. Leonard. Um, uh, but you know what? I, I mean, it still feels like, like kind of like a, uh, a silent film a little bit. It's sort of one of those things that uh, Mary Pickford would have made in a different era. 
but still, she really holds her own, and she does a good job of it. And uh, you know, the whole Depression era trajectory really suits her well. And I'm sorry that she didn't have a, a better career. And then uh, this is the one you got to get: Classic Shorts from the Dream Factory, Volume Three, featuring Howard Fine and Howard, otherwise known as the Three Stooges. And uh, a lot of great shorts here. These uh, these uh, Dream Factory shorts are one of the wonderful ongoing uh, releases from the Warner Archive collection. And uh, it's all really funny stuff and totally classic, and you got to get them. That's all I'll tell you. And then uh, lastly here, I'll just blow through these before we wrap out the show because we've spent half the show doing your stupid Yeah, but but problem solved. Totally worth it. Young Roddy McDowell in one of his many uh, charming efforts on the sunny side. This is a uh, 20th Century Fox Cinema Archives release. And uh, Roddy McDowell had, you know, gotten uh, quite a bit of attention for How Green Was My Valley, and so he started doing all kinds of films between this and My Friend Flicka. And uh, this is just a, a little about a little boy said, you know, when London was being bombed by the Nazis, he, he comes to the United States and, uh, you know, has a tough time of it. Uh, great war era thing from 1942. Uh, just off Broadway, uh, not so great. This is kind of... Uh, you know, uh, interesting only because it has Phil Silvers in it, and Phil Silvers is always funny, but uh, nobody else can quite, uh, you know, sort of. It's it's definitely a, a second tier thing. Uh, One wild night, I actually enjoyed. Uh, I don't know why. It's not terribly good, but it is. Uh, it's got a weird kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, a procedural charm to it. It's. Uh, it's about a it's a crime thing, but it's got a little romance to it. It's all right. It you know it's not too long, not too short. Just kind of sits right in there. George Seaton, uh, an amazing uh, writer, wrote some of you know the most amazing scripts in Hollywood history. Wrote uh, the Magnificent Dope, which has a fantastic performance by Don Amici as uh, and again this is kind of a Depression era thing who, you know, had a, a school that's supposed to help people. He's kind of a Tony Robbins guy, right? But his, he's, he's, he's fallen on hard times as well. So he's uh, trying to get the laziest man in the entire country to be his Pygmalion. And that's when he finds the guy, played by Henry Fonda. It, this is really a lot of fun. Uh, this is definitely worth checking out. The Magnificent Dope. Great stuff from Don Amici and Henry Fonda. Uh, Jane Withers... Uh, did a number of uh, quite a lot of great films uh, back in the day and we have been pestering them to send us their Jane Withers collection and they finally sent us all of their wonderful Jane Withers titles and there are a total of six of them and these have been available for uh, over a year but uh, I think they're off most people's radar and so let me tell you about Jane Withers Jane Withers is one of the most unsung, charming figures in Hollywood history. She was so lovely, the sweetest little chubby-faced girl, and she she grew up well, and she just... Forget Shirley Temple, who really did not Lame. have... Seriously. Terrible. Jane, Jane Withers. Jane Withers is where it's at, and Jane Withers made so many wonderful, wonderful movies. Little Miss Nobody is the one you just got to check out. She is so delightful as this little, this mischievous little orphan. She just, do, it just doesn't get better. Uh, Rascals is, is pretty close. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's a little bit more sentimental, but gosh, you just want to grab those cheeks and just, 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 you just want to kiss her all the time. Uh, Chicken Wagon Family. Oh my gosh, it's the best. Um, it's, it's about this, this family who sell chickens 
out of their wagon, and they go to New York, and you know what she does? Sells chickens. She gets mischievous. It's just adult, While selling chickens. This is my favorite picture of any one she'd ever. In Patio Day, look at that picture. How do you not want to just grab that little girl and adopt her? You know what? She, she, she looks like uh, somebody from like a, like, oh. like a 1950s print ad for like cereal. It's so, exactly. Exactly. Uh, this is fantastic. This is, uh, this is about she plays a little immigrant girl looking to you know, find her mom. And then lastly, Golden Hoofs, which is uh, you know, one of the – everyone had to do a horse movie at a certain point. And here she's, she's gotten older. This is an older Jane Withers here who's you know, kind of trying to make her own with uh, all the others who are doing you – know, like Elizabeth Taylor had to do the horse movie. Roddy McDowell had to do a horse movie, right? National Velvet. And he he did a horse movie. Then yeah. he did an ape movie. That's right. Everybody had to do horse movies. And then lastly, uh, an older Jane Withers in high school. And uh, here she has to you know, deal with all the, the – the problems of high school, like she has to deal with problems when she was a little girl. And uh, then lastly, a film that I think everybody absolutely has to have on their, uh, on their, um, on their shelf is Janet Gaynor and Henry Fonda in The Farmer Takes a Wife, which is... Okay, that everyone should have on their shelf? Everyone should have this on their shelf. Honestly. Seriously, it's a great film. It's a terrific film. This is one of the best films that Victor Fleming ever made. Uh, I think it's better directed, frankly, than Gone with the Wind, which I don't know how much Gone with the Wind he directed, and even Wizard of Oz, which I don't know how much of that he really directed. Uh, At least this here, like a guy named Joe, I know Victor Fleming is the only guy credited as directing it, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Henry Henry Fonda plays a farmer who uh, gets onto a canal boat and, um, you know, has... Basically, you know, has a romance with Jane, Janet Gaynor, and it's just perfect. It's just wonderful. There's all these, you know, uh, the politics on the boat, and uh, you know, the, her father and whatnot. But it's just absolutely wonderful. And uh, yes, it also features Jane Withers, who's wonderful in it. So mm-hmm. not technically a Jane Withers film, but she's in it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, with that, we are done with this long show because I had to fix your. St- I had to show you where the Damn menus work. All right. I realize in retrospect I probably should have figured that out myself. Because really there's only one button between where I got stuck and where you found the solution. You just got to push the button. I know. That's the lesson. Push the button. Mystery menu solved. All right. Well, uh, uh, by the way, you're still lame. I know. All right. See you next week.